Well, good morning. Happy All Hallows Eve, also known as Halloween today, and as well, Happy Reformation Sunday. I hope you're able to practice and observe both of those things, as you probably will tonight. Um, and as you think about the traditions of Halloween, you probably have many different ways or seasons of, of ways that you have celebrated Halloween. I know in Julington Creek, it's, it's a big, it's a holiday almost, even though we have school tomorrow. And my, my heart goes out to teachers who uh, will get all those sugar-crazed kids tomorrow morning, hopefully not scared out of their gourds. Uh, but I want to ask you a question, considering traditions of Halloween. Do you recall that story or that movie that you first saw which just scared the life out of you? Now, when that happens to me, it, when I recall that memory, it's when I'm 11 years old. And my best friend and his dad had this Halloween tradition that they would try to find the scariest movie they could find. And then it just scare themselves to death. And they found a movie and they, that, that would succeed in that for them, and they invited me into it. And they, his dad actually came down, this is my best friend, and said, this is our tradition, and if Trent wants to come, if it's okay with y'all, he can come. And, it, and I, it ended up happening that way. And this is what I would learn about, that I did, never knew this kind of thing could exist and be invented in somebody's mind. And that would be the story of the half-dog. Now, if you, if you have been in biology before, apparently it, in, in one time or place, they, they would actually use live animals in biology classes, just maybe cut right down the middle so you could see the insides of how things were designed to work. So somebody along the line took this idea and plugged it into a horror movie. And this is how the story sets up. They would, there would be a custodian cleaning a, a military laboratory. And in this laboratory were all of these types of things. These animals that were, were cut in half, dogs, and then as well as several other test subjects, and then even human cadavers. And as it is a horror movie, they designed it, as the, as the screenwriter would come up with it, that the military was working on this gas that would be a new weapon of destruction. And this gas, somewhere along the way, it gets cracked in the canister that it's in, and it begins to fill this laboratory where all these test animals are. And to the horror of the custodian, and this, this will date the time and place of this movie, he's wearing his Walkman, and he's cleaning up, and all of a sudden, he hears a, a whimper, a, and he, he has no idea what's going on. He thinks it's just in his mind. He's alone in this big, dark place, and all of a sudden, he hears that again, enough to where he takes off his headphones, and sure enough, he thinks there's a dog lost in there somewhere. And these, these half-dogs were actually in plastic, but you could see through, and to his horror, what he discovers, that this half-dog by this gas has come back to life, and it just terrifies him. And all of a sudden, the cadavers have turned into zombies, and the story launches from there. 
Now, of course, I want to tell you a good Halloween story as it is, is Halloween. But as you heard me tell that story, you, you, you may have gotten a chuckle out of it. But normally, when we come into contact with those, those movies and those memories and our culture, there's even a part of it that loves to just be scared or to scare others this time of year. We normally have two reactions to that. One is, I want to see how scared like something can actually make me. And for others, that is actually, I want to stay as far away from that as I can. I know I cannot handle it, and I need to put that over here and never take place in that. Well, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we can approach our faith, and especially the idea of Jesus, with a similar response. Some of us, as we hear the idea of the blood language, which we are going to talk about that we read about in Hebrews in our epistle just a bit ago, some of us with, with language like being covered by the blood of Christ. Some of us at a time or season or even now may not know what to do with that. Or when we think about the blood that was spilled on the cross, we like to take the, the love of Jesus and the person of Jesus, but not think about a body on a cross or the torture that came in that sacrifice. But if we find ourselves in similar response, we miss a very key ingredient to the gospel message and an understanding of what it does for us all. And indeed, why Christ had to come. That's what I want us to set that up to look at our Hebrews reading this morning. And we have to do a little historical context to actually set up what the author of Hebrews was trying to tell them and what it means for us today as we heard it read. So we hear it is all about blood and sacrifice. And then in the time in which Jesus lived in biblical times with the, with the Jewish people, uh, they were well familiar with blood and sacrifice was part of the nor it was central to the religious life of them and of the nation. And there were several different ways to see it and to practice it. Now, they, now, on an altar similar, we heard several different types of animals could be sacrificed. And that the, the priest would catch the blood of these animals for several different reasons. And then they would take those animals after they were sacrificed and they would actually cook them and have feasts. So, so it was life-giving and it represented life to the people. But all these different stages in the way these animals were used as they were sacrificed, one would just be if, if you did something that just, oh, I, I had an action that made me ceremonial unclean. Then you could go to temple and do a very simple ritual with this blood. And on the outside, you would be deemed clean ritually uh, in, in something very simple. But then from there, if it got a little bit more difficult, say, to atone for an action against God or for a sin of atonement against another person, the, the ceremonial ritual got even more in-depth and even more elaborate in understanding the consequence of the sin that was committed. And occasionally, a priest or a high priest would offer sacrifice uh, by blood covering of an entire society 
all of people. If something as a people group had been done that was deemed a major sin against God or, or another uh, group of people, every now and again there would be that major sacrifice that need, needed to cover the sins of an entire people. And as, it, as, as if we look at it even more, uh, blood was used to act that, that was spilled from the altar was actually used to treat people in healing prayers and anointing that in that time might be battling a disease like leprosy that would make them unclean. And blood was used in restoring their cleanliness that they may not be seen unclean any longer. And then as a priest was ordained and consecrated, uh, that blood would be used as well to in the ceremony of the high priest. And that high priest from that moment on would be the only one in remembrance of the old covenant in the, the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. There was a curtain in this time of sacrifice that we talk about in which the high priest was the only one that could go behind it and have access to God and then come out to the people and do these ceremonial cleanings and sacrifices. And yet, as we learn all about that, much history in a very short time 70 AD would bring a very destructive episode. As with this system that was created in that time and used in that time to remember the old covenant. And these animals that were sacrificed, the understanding of it was that the laying of hands upon these animals, that the sins of any people would be brought into that animal that was being sacrificed. And the blood that was spilled was symbolic of repentance. And then it was a life-giving gesture out of what was going on. Well, in 70 AD, the Romans would come and they would destroy the temple. And with the destruction of that temple, this way of remembering the past and getting in touch with God was destroyed. And this system of the high priest that would be the ones that for hundreds and hundreds of years would be the one to go and have access to God on behalf of the people that needed to be cleansed from their sin, that was taken away and destroyed. Leaving the people when seemingly all was lost in that time, what they knew and how to be close to God, it left them with the question, what do we do with our sin now? We'll enter the words of the author of Hebrews. We have three little verses which were actually very profound to this question that they were asking. What do we do with our sin now? And it points to how Jesus would come in the form, uh, or God would come in the form of Jesus Christ. And he would die and have that sacrifice on the cross, the one final atonal, atoning sacrifice for us all. That as we hear in the language, it is no longer upon the, the goats and the bulls and, and all of the sacrifices that were made in all those centuries. But for them then, and that were reading the letter that was penned to them, and as we hear it today, we remember that, that death of Jesus upon the cross. And that's why we opened up with the talking about that if that makes us uncomfortable or that part we want to leave behind, we have to understand what that means to be washed in the blood of Christ. 
What that means for us all is that sin and brokenness is the modern day stuff of horror movies. In fact, most horror movies are stories of sin and brokenness that have run rampant. And by the sacrifice of Christ and by his rising again, God made a way. No longer to just be ceremonial clean on the outside once and having to do it time and time and time again. But in, by his ri- dying on the cross and rising again, this is the message of the gospel. That he paid the price for our sin and brokenness that we may be free. He made a way, as we heard in that history and context of sacrifice and blood in the time in which he was and for us today, that no longer do we have to sacrifice those animals. But by his sacrifice and paying the price for sin, he made the way which paved, uh, paved the way for our salvation in relationship and communion with him. And what does that mean for us? Our eternal restoration and redeeming has been bought for us. And as we hear, instead of dead works of constantly coming and trying to do it in our own power, as we remember on this Reformation Sunday, he is the one that by his love, by his mercy, and by his grace, we no longer have to live the horror of sin and brokenness. We now live into our identity of being fully restored and loved children of God. And what does that mean as we hear as the words of Hebrews closed out today? That we get to go to sleep with a clean conscience in worship of our living God. Not by our own works or things of these sacrifices we have to do time and time again, but by his one and final atoning sacrifice, by his blood that was spilled, the sin and brokenness that used to be on us, the very heart that, that is at the, the core of every horror movie and experience, God made a way for that to be beaten back forever as he was victorious over sin and death. And he became a way. He stepped out of the holy of holies and we get to have access to him every day in relationship and communion with his love and grace by the sacrifice that was made on the cross. And it changes everything for all of us. Amen.